Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Eurotrip podcast. My name is James, and as ever, every week, I am joined by the wonderful Rob Lilly. Hello, James. It is a pleasure to be with both you and the listeners once again this week as national final season gets in full swing. More of that shortly. However, it is a very exciting week. And I think you know what I'm talking about, don't you? I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. We've had some pretty, pretty exciting things happening this week. Presumably you're talking about looking ahead to the first national final of the year on Saturday? This is embarrassing, isn't it? No, I'm talking about my birthday. Ah. You've got me a present, I can only assume, because last week you may have heard at the end of the podcast, I revealed that one of my Christmas gifts, not from James, uh, was a signed photo of your friend of mine, Sir Terry Wogan. Obviously, as I said at the time, not one that he signed recently. <laughs> so presumably, seeing as you didn't get me that for Christmas, you've decided to get me something for my birthday. Oh, dear me. Shall we, shall we start the podcast? That's a no then, is it? Let's start the podcast. This is the Eurotrip. Let the dance macabre begin. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and a very warm welcome. I know the only one show in the world that combines it all. Singing, music, dancing, traditional and ethnic styles. It's massive. It's twice the Super Bowl. It's like 200 million people. When we reach the end of the show in approximately three to eight hours, we will have a new champion. Now let's get to it. Are you ready to party Europe? It is easy what I say. What I say. This is the Euro Trip. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, your favourite Eurovision podcast. This week, as ever, with me, Rob. Me, James. And this week, special guest, Dami Im. That's right, the star of Eurovision 2016. She represented Australia in Stockholm in Sweden with that glorious song, Sound of Silence, and it's an absolute honour to be speaking to her on the podcast this week. We cover loads with her. She talks about life before Eurovision. She gives us a bit of a tease about a potential Eurovision return and what it's like being Australia's most successful artist at the contest to date. 
I'm still so excited when I think about it all. It's like, you know, it's such a great experience and everything aligned, I guess. So I don't, you know, it's, it's very hard to top something like that, a moment like that where you get to represent your country and then come out really strong. <laughs> yeah, I'm very thankful for it all. It is an absolute pleasure to have Dami on the show this week. It is fantastic to have her. So I really, really hope you enjoy James's chat with Dami a little bit later on on the podcast. Also, of course, it has been a pretty busy week already of Eurovision news. We have got loads to talk about and I'll be taking you through the very latest news headlines shortly. And fear not, everybody, after James tried to stitch me up on the one second song last week by giving me a song from 2020... Spoiler, sorry if you haven't listened already. He's in for an absolute treat this week. Your chances of getting the one second song correct, it's not going to happen. We'll see how I get on. We'll see how I get on. We've got loads to come in the next hour or so, but you are listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. So here we are then, another week, another episode of the Eurotrip. Thank you so much if you are back with us once again and you have made this part of your regular podcast listening because it is an absolute treat, as I said, to have you with us every single week. And James, I don't want to be self-indulgent, but some very lovely comments on last week's episode. There certainly was, wasn't there? We always love to hear from you guys when you're listening at home, whether that's just leaving us a review wherever you are listening, or you can get in touch with us uh, at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. But Rob's right, we've had some lovely comments from you. Uh, we've uh, we've had a message from Eurovisionathon saying, how did I not know about Eurotrip Podcast? Well, you know about us now, and hopefully you are back for another week. Uh, that, and all- Incidentally, James, as well, by the way, that doesn't say whether it was a good thing or a bad thing. Just says, how did I not know about this thing? Uh, what a travesty this thing is. Maybe that's what they meant. Maybe if you find <laughs> everything we do highly offensive, who knows? <laughs> uh, we had a message from Ben Morris as well. He said, I've just finished listening. Uh, another great episode. Well, thank you, Ben. We thoroughly enjoy recording it as well. Yeah, one of the things we got loads of comments on, actually, from last week's episode was my interview with Terence James. He, of course, is attempting to represent France at Eurovision this year. The French selection show, we think, is coming later in January. Who knows? They might they might tell us at some point in the next few <laughs> weeks when that's going to happen. But some really, really lovely comments about the interview with Terence. Uh, Aaron on Twitter said, nailed it about the repetition. This is Terence talking about how repetitive his song is, which it definitely is. Uh, I didn't enjoy it first up, but now I can't stop with hitting that replay button. Good luck, Terence. And another tweet from at WallsXESC. She says, just listen to at Tweet the Terence interview on at Your Trip Podcast. And it's safe to say I want him to win the French national final even more now. So excited to see what the staging is going to be like as well. But it is lovely, as we've said already, to hear from you. So if you have listened to this week's episode or even any of our previous episodes we've done, because there are loads of them out there for you to listen to. So if you want to get in touch with us on Twitter, we are at Your Trip Podcast. We are on Instagram. Instagram as well. And something tells me that over the next few days, we will have plenty to tweet about because there's plenty going on. And it's been another busy few days in the world of Eurovision. You may well remember what that hideously cheesy sounding piece of music means from last week's episode, but if you don't remember, or if you are new around here, let me tell you that it means it's time for the news, because Rob, in the last seven days of the Eurovision Song Contest, there's been a lot going on. That absolutely has, James. As you so eloquently put it last week, it has been popping off, popping which, off. which I understand means... It's just been busy, things have been going on doesn't it i hope so at least what i think it means (laughs) let's hope so let's hope so you're not wrong though there has been loads going on we've got this far into the podcast without mentioning the k word k 
Kano are back. So they won the tally vote at Eurovision in 2019, and now they're back. They're hoping to represent Norway again at Eurovision 2021. So at the start of the week, we found out some of the names who are going to be taking part in Melody Grand Prix this year. We found out the six pre-qualifiers, of which Kano are one, of course. They return, as does Ryan Alexander. Now, you might remember him from Melody Grand Prix 2020. And we got the first four songs that are going to be competing in the first semi-final of Melody Grand Prix this Saturday. Let's take a listen. James, you've heard the songs. What do you reckon? Yeah, a bit of a mixed bag. Plenty in there to enjoy. Uh, yeah, I think we're in for a fantastic first semi-final on Saturday. You're right. Saturday is going to be very, very exciting. Honestly, it's so good to have live Eurovision selections on the TV in January once again to get us through what is a very difficult time. Kano are going to be performing their song Monument as well on Saturday as one of the pre-qualifiers. And you can watch the first semi-final over on Eurovoir's new streaming service. That's Eurovoir.tv. There is so much on there. We're going to have live national final programs on there. And we also have a brilliant archive of shows, of films, all related to the artists of the Eurovision Song Contest. So make sure you check that out. Uh, Talking of Eurovision, sticking with the news, 3,000 hotel rooms are being booked for the delegations in Rotterdam. And in some other news regarding the contest, the first postcard has been recorded, which is very, very exciting. Uh, To Croatia, Dora 2021, that's going to take place without an audience, so that's not really surprising. Dora, of course, taking place on the 13th of February, as a reminder. Uh, Talking of selection shows, the San Marinese, which is always fun to say, selection method is currently under discussion. So we don't know yet how Senate's song is going to be chosen. Uh, In Portugal, the singers are going to be revealed on January the 20th. The French format for their selection show has been revealed before we even know when it's going to be. And to be honest with you, the selection process in France is so complicated and confusing I can't even begin to tell you what is happening, and you can find out more on eurevoir.com. And of course, as always, our new podcasts drop on a Wednesday, which this week may mean that you already know who is taking part in UMK in Finland selection this year, and you may also know who is taking part in which semi-final at this year's Melody Festivalen. Are you done, Rob? Is that all the news? That's all I've got down on my uh, notebook in front of me, yeah, I think so. Well, there's been plenty going on, but you've missed one big crucial story. But thankfully, I'm on hand to pick it up for you. And that big story is that Stephanie's song to represent Greece at Eurovision 2021 has been decided. Uh, Stephanie, of course, was due to represent Greece at Eurovision in 2020. Uh, She was quickly picked up again uh, for this year's edition and her song for 2021 is called Last Dance. But to get us up to speed with everything that has been going on in the Greek selection, I have recently spoken to Giannis from Eurovision Fun, uh, which is a Greek news website dedicated to the Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, There's a bit of juicy information at the end of this interview as well, so stick around for it. The audio quality is a little bit sketchy in part, but stick with it. Uh, You'll get used to it. Uh, But yeah, as I say, there's a juicy bit of information at the very end. Uh, But I started off by asking Giannis uh, to get us up to speed with the selection process for Stephania's song for Eurovision 2021. Yes, on summer, Stephania was in Greece. Uh, They composed some songs in order to submit them to to ERT because ERT wanted uh, several songs in order to choose the best one. Uh, Stephania recorded those five songs uh, the truth is that, as Dimitris Kondopoulos said in Greek media the previous days, that uh, the last dance was the last song that uh, was recorded. Uh, they have, uh, firstly, in their mind, Adrenaline, a title that uh, Stefania revealed some days ago. Uh, but they thought that uh, this was the best for her. 
and uh, ART's jury also agree with them. So Greece's next uh, song for the contest will be Last Dance. You say it there, that is the title. It's it's going to be called Last Dance. We have not heard it publicly yet, but uh, I do believe you've heard a little bit of a sneak peek of it. Um, and the, there seems to be a lot of positive comments from from you from you guys. So what are we expecting to hear from the song? Presumably, it's going to be a great track. Yes, you know, all the team and the ERT are very positive this year. They think that uh, they can reach the best uh, result for Greece in the last decade. That means a place high in top 10 because uh, Greece last uh, time they reached the high place was in 2013, sixth place with Cosa Mostra. Uh, so they believe that with, with this song, they can uh, repeat this uh, result. Uh, I'm also positive. It's a current song with 80s uh, vibes, but with a modern orchestration and production. Uh, the lyrics also, are, uh, I think, are, are very, uh, they fit very nice with Stefania. She's a very young uh, girl. She's, she's only 18 years old. Uh, but uh, you don't have to expect uh, a song like Supergirl. It's much more mature, I think. So it's it's very different then to to Supergirl. I believe uh, in an article over on your website, uh, it was compared a little bit to the style of song that even Dua Lipa would be performing. So it's very different, isn't it? Yes, it's very different. Dimitris Kondopoulos said uh, yesterday in, a, in an interview that the only common thing, and I agree, is Stefania's voice between Supergirl and Last Dance. It's nothing common. And how important do you think it is that these big songwriters have been involved? You've meant, mentioned uh, Dimitris Kondopoulos there. He's been involved in some big Eurovision songs before. He's written for the likes of Sergei Lazarev for, for Russia, for instance. So how important is it to have big songwriters involved in the production like that? I think that uh, it's very important, especially for Greece this year and last year, of course, because uh, as we all know, Greece uh, had some uh, difficult times in Eurovision the last years. Uh, we were on the top and uh, nowadays we are struggling to qualify most of the year, so we don't qualify. Uh, so I think ERT uh, the fact that uh, the board of ERT changed last year, changed a lot of things. They decided that uh, if we want to have a good result in the contest, we should uh, hire our strongest guns, if I could say that. So Dimitris Kondopoulos, with his experience, Focasa Vangelinos as uh, the stage choreographer, and all uh, the other team, uh, is a guarantee for a good result. And uh, maybe if you want to give you an exclusive news for your for your trip, your uh, intentions for the next year is to have a national final. Uh, something that uh, a lot of people uh, want wanted to increase for several years because the last national final happened in 2015. So there are many years since that, and a lot of artists. Uh, expressed their desire to participate in a national final for Eurovision. So the interest in Greece is very high at the moment. And if Stefania has a good result in Rotterdam, I think that this interest will be higher and higher. So you, you, you expect to see a national final for Greece in 2022 then? Yes. Uh, the truth is that DRT wanted the national final this year too for the selection of Stefania's song in it. But the pandemic and uh, the fact that Stefania lives in Netherlands uh, makes it made, made it difficult. So they decided to have an internal selection again. But uh, as far as I know, ART plans a national final next year. If everything with the pandemic, of course, ends and uh, things uh, become again uh, normal as we knew it before. And do you think that would be a national final for just one artist with a few songs, or do you think it would be a few different no, artists? I, I think it would be a national final with uh, many artists and different songs. This is the Euro Trip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Euro Trip Podcast, warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. 
That's right, this is the Eurotrip, and thank you very much to Giannis from Eurovision Fun for having a chat with you, James, earlier on in the week, because as you mentioned before we heard the interview, plenty of good gossip in there, and that news that Greece, we think, according to Giannis, will be heading back to a national final for 2022, very, very interesting. National final season is going to be so big next year, isn't it? If we're going to get an extra national final from Greece and a little tease for later on, Australia decides we'll also be back and Dami Im will be telling us all the very latest about her potential participation in Australia Decides 2022 in our big interview with her a little bit later on in the episode. As we mentioned in the intro, it is amazing that we've got Dami to chat to us this week because she doesn't do many interviews, so stick around for her chat with James a little bit later on. But now it is time for me to talk to one of the artists who is hoping to represent her country at Eurovision in 2021. Now, Cece is trying to represent Estonia. She's in Estilau this year with her song Time. But she isn't your run-of-the-mill artist trying to represent her country because her dad is a Eurovision winner. You might remember earlier on in one of our previous episodes, we spoke to Dave Benton, of course, the man who won Eurovision 2001 alongside Tanel Padar and 2XL in Copenhagen. Well, now Cece is hoping to do the same. It was absolutely fantastic to get to chat to her. And with the dad as a Eurovision winner, I started by asking her about the role the contest had played in her life growing up. Eurovision has been in my life since I was born. My dad uh, had the privilege of being in Eurovision and winning it in 2001. And ever since then, Eurovision's kind of been this big deal in our household. It's never been something like pressured on on us, me and my sister, because my sister also sings very well, as in like, oh my God, now you guys have to do it. It's more of just this fun time of the year where where we'll have like viewing parties with our neighbors and family and friends. Like my dad will make enough food to feed an entire army. Uh, We'll sit in the living room, we'll write down our scores, comments, we'll like bet on like who's going to win within the uh, family. Like my grand-grandmother almost always gets it right. And so it's this big party for us. And I've just watched it growing up, just like dreaming to be a part of that. Like I'm not the kind of person that wants to win like ever. That's not a priority for me. It's just kind of the fact I just want to go to Eurovision. I want to be on that stage and I want to be a part of that community. It's been my dream ever since I can remember. And this year I'm so close to it that I just hope that the people help me get there. So your dad is, is of course, Dave Benton, who we spoke to on the podcast a few months ago. It was fantastic to chat to him, but also now fantastic that you could, fingers crossed, go to Eurovision yourself. This is your this is your second attempt at, at SD Lau, is that right? Yes. Yes. So so the first attempt didn't put you off and you've wanted to go back again. What was that first experience of Estilao like? Was it one that you look back on and, and you've learned a lot from? Yes, I've learned a lot from that's very correct. Like I don't remember it as being like super crazy amazing because it was for me, I was stressed a lot because I used to be the kind of person that would kind of want to do everything myself. That doesn't work in these kind of situations. So I learned a lot from that, from just like being unhappy with some of the decisions I made, not like being fully present all the time. And this year, already from the beginning, like my family is my team because my mom and my sister, they're stage uh, choreographers. My dad's also producers. So it's kind of a very in-family kind of thing. So we all kind of put our hands in. And my best friend, who is my co-author of the song, like she's also dealing with the backup vocals. So I feel like everyone has a part to play. What was it like coming up with the song? And, and was the song always planned to, to go to Esti Lau? Or was it just a song you wrote and you thought, this could work? <laughs> this uh, So Andrei Savakin and Kelly Tulvik are the main co-authors. And we also have Daniel Kotilevich who did the production with us and everything. So Andrei sent me like just a part of the chorus. And was like, by the way, like you can change anything and everything. And I send it back to him and I said, I don't like it. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then two days later, my mom and sister were like, wait, let us hear it. So we let them hear it. And they were like, you do realize this has so much potential. And I was like, God damn it, you're right. And I wrote to Andrea, I was like, man, we're going to ACLO again. And then we kind of met up in the studio. And within two hours, I had written the song. So the melody and the lyrics are mine. 
Julie, one of my best friends with whom I've been singing for years, Skelly Twilvik, she helped me like arrange it. So she did like, since we have the gospel choir in there, she arranged the different voices uh, and pulled it together. So it, it created this big picture, which I love to see. And the song itself is about how time is something that is constantly running out. And as humans, we have this habit of getting into fears and getting into our past and staying stuck there, being afraid to move forward because we ourselves are sabotaging our lives and holding ourselves back. It's never anyone else's fault. It's our own. And I guess this song is like a wake up call that, listen, we like we don't have that much time. We have this one life. Please make it count. The song is such a, a contemporary sound. It's a, it's a song that you, I don't mean it this way, but it, it's not a song you would expect to hear at Eurovision. It's a song you would expect to hear in the charts. And I think, you know, that is is testament to what a great song it is. What has the reaction been like? Honestly, everyone has reacted so positively to it. I've had people who listen to it and start to cry. Like in my video, dancers, they were crying when they were listening to it because they recognized themselves in that story. You've already mentioned how this is, you know, it's kind of a family affair. Your your sister and your mom and your dad are all involved in in everything around the song. What has your dad said about the song and, and what has he said about sort of, I don't know, his, his hopes for you this year? My dad is the kind of person who, like, he's always super honest. So, like, the first drafts of the song, he wasn't, like, happy with it. But he was also, like, constantly telling me to trust my gut and stand up for my ideas and everything, which is what I did. Uh, and then finally, he was so happy with the song, which means the world to me, because he will tell me if he thinks it's crap. <laughs> like, he has done that in the past. <laughs> so the fact that he genuinely loved it, that's that's a huge thing for me. So, yeah, and, like, during the process, I can't say he was that hands-on, but he was a very honest place of feedback. As, as, as a musician yourself... Is he has he been able to provide you with an important insight in your career, you know, to help you kind of approach things differently, just given kind of what he did in the past and, and you've been able to kind of take some of that in your own career? I think so. My dad kind of raised me with um, the way of thinking that everything is possible if I'm willing to work for it. Like, it doesn't matter how crazy or insane my dreams are. It doesn't matter what I aspire. Like, I can do it. I just have to believe I can do it and I have to literally go out and do it. I should not let my dream stay a dream. So that's how he's kind of raised me and that stuck with me. And just this kind of concept of always being myself and like not copying other people's music, not listening to like what's popular right now, but just staying true to yourself. Because the truth is that the music industry is constantly changing. You do not know what the people are going to want to hear today or tomorrow because it, there's millions, billions of us. So it's kind of this kind of thought that do what you do, do it well, and hope that that's what the people want to see tomorrow. Are you able to tell us whether or not the type of performance that we see in the, the music video that people have seen already, are you planning on taking something very similar and bringing that to the stage? Or can we expect something completely different? Or can you not tell us? No, no, it's quite similar. Because like, I'm like, I've always been the type of performer that I like having freedom on, on stage. So I'll, I'll, like, move around a lot. I'll try to create the feeling of freedom on stage. And I always love to have all my backup singers on stage. Because I don't believe that the performance is just me. Like, these people are working for it. They are there with me. And we give each other energy. So they'll be on stage with me. And there even might be just like a tiny bit of dancing, like very little bit of dancing because we're all singing at the same time. But it'll be there, like from the video, the choreography that my sister did. We'll keep an eye out for that. That was very exciting. <laughs> Final question, of course, you know, our, our, our podcast is listened to, to people everywhere. But importantly, at the moment, people in Estonia, what, what message have you got to, to the people listening? Like, I love, I love my people so much. So all I can do is just say that, listen, if you like my song and if you know my dream, just be a part of making that dream come true. That's all I can ask of you. This is the Euro Trip.
So it was great to hear from Cece there, who is vying to represent Estonia at Eurovision 2021. Of course, she will have to compete in SD Lowell, which kicks off on the 18th of February. And between now and then, we will have plenty of coverage of that national selection hearing from some of the other artists that are taking part in this year's event. That's right. And not just Esti Lau as well. We have got artists from all sorts of national finals coming up for you over the next few weeks. You name a national final, we will bring you an artist who is taking part in it. That's a little promise that I will make from me to you. We've now got to keep that promise, Rob. So you uh, you better get your thinking cap on. We've got a few lined up, haven't we? I mean, We've got a few. all it means is you've got to send a few more emails, but I'm sure you can manage that. <laughs> I'll squeeze it into my busy schedule. We'll see. Uh, But now it is time to get to this week's big interview. That's what you're all here for. I know it. Because this week's star of the big interview is none other than Dami M. You don't need me to tell you who that is, but I will do anyway. She, of course, represented Australia at Eurovision 2016 when the contest was held in Stockholm in Sweden. And she was the first ever Australian artist who had to compete in a semi-final but she blitzed her way through that and she ended up finishing in a fantastic and yet to be beaten second place for an Australian artist. So this conversation is so wide-ranging, she is very candid about so many aspects of her career. Uh, But I started off by asking her how her music career actually began. I guess when I first came to Australia I couldn't speak English obviously but I could, I was quite good at the piano Well, I guess just like all my friends learnt to play music in Korea, like it was a trendy thing. So everyone got taught to play some kind of instrument and it turned out to be really handy in Australia to, you know, show off and play my Mozart. And I felt like I was good at something. So I guess I really hung on to that and practiced and did all the competitions and, you know, it became kind of my thing and my identity when I wasn't particularly confident in other things, but I felt very confident when it came to piano and showing off that. And then it got to, what yeah, was it, was it 2012, I believe it was? And then you took the plunge to enter the X Factor over in Australia. What was it that made you decide to go and enter that? I, I went back to Korea for a little bit. Um, somehow the connections were there and I was making like church music, gospel singing, kind of thing through connections, but it was really hard. And I wanted to uh, come back to Australia and live here because this is my home. And I had met my husband by then and we were together and yeah, I needed to move here and live here, but I didn't really know how to get my career started. And like at first when people suggested like, oh, you should do this talent show and TV, you know, I, I was like, who do you think I am? Like, I'm, you know, I'm already a singer. Why do you, why do I need to do a stupid TV thing? And then at that point I was kind of like, I have to try something. I guess I thought, okay, let's just do, do it and see if it gives me some exposure to do more gigs. And, and yeah, I went in with kind of very little expectation from it. And then I ended up going all the way, which was not, planned or expected we'll turn our attention to eurovision now for for a little bit because for some it still seems a bit bonkers doesn't it that australia takes part in eurovision um do you remember finding out back in 2015 that australia was going to take part and guy sebastian was going to represent the country yeah i do um you know there were whispers about it and then you know of course 2014 was when jess malboy went as a interval act and then there were rumors behind the scenes like oh Australia is going to be able to enter and it was all happening and I just I guess I was more like wow that's that's really cool that we get to be actually a part of it like we were we we you know a lot of Australians are obsessed with it um and yeah with watching it I guess but now we get to actually be one of them and um for me yeah, just watching that happen to uh, Guy and Jess. And I just thought, wow, that's, you know, that that's really cool. But I didn't really expect that it could be a possibility for me to be on that same stage. Um, I, it just didn't really even 
you know, cross my mind until I later on, I got asked for it. And I was like, wow, that's, of course, it's incredible. So how did that come about for you then? Because obviously Guy did tremendously well. Australia got invited back for 2016. Do you remember getting the phone call from the broadcaster saying, we want you? How did it work in 2016? My uh, manager at that time was like, look, we're going to put you forward for it. You know, we hope you can do it. But there were, you know, everybody wanted to do it. Everyone wants to do it. It's such a huge thing to be representing your country at Eurovision. So I had my hopes up, but I also didn't, you know, wasn't expecting that to happen. Um, but yeah, I did get that call one night, uh, middle of the night. And my manager was sort of like, I know you are cautious about things. You might not want to, you know, you, you might be hesitant, but I really think you need, you should do it. It would be so good. I'm like, what is it? Was it, well, they have sort of offered it to you. What? Eurovision. And I was like, oh my God. And he's like, think about it, you know, just think about it first and then decide. I'm like, what is that to think about? You know, like, why does he expect me to not want to do it so I did think about it and I'm like yes I'm going to do this <laughs> and yeah I remember not being able to sleep that night and being like just bursting with so much excitement and do you remember hearing your song for the first time sound of silence yes yes I do I I think um so DNA boys wrote it and I've worked with them before and they um, I heard the song for the first time. I guess I thought, okay, this is, you know, it's a good song. I, I had to listen to it a few times, to be honest, to really feel like, okay, that's, yeah. Because I needed it to be something spectacular. And a great song is, you know, everybody, I don't know, there's so many great songs, but I, I just thought it needs to have that punch. and. I guess I thought, okay, well, I can, you know, change it up for the live performances. But as a radio track, this is this is a really great song. It's so strong. And the, yeah, once I put my vocals on it, I felt, I really felt like it was starting to gel and I felt really good about it as it being my song and the most important song in my career. <laughs> Tell us about the performances then, because obviously 2016, it was the first time Australia had to compete in the semi-final. So you performed in the semi-final and the grand final. Were you as nervous for both of these performances? Do you have good memories of actually being up there on stage? So I was so much more nervous for the semi-final performance. Uh, I think that's when it started to get so real. And I remember staring down at the barrel of the camera and thinking, oh my gosh, there's like 200 million people watching and there's Australian people watching at 5 a.m. in the morning and I'm singing to my nation, to, you know, who are looking at me with their hopes and dreams. And it was just very, uh, you know, like just intense in pressure. And I put so much pressure on myself. So I was like, I can't get anything wrong. And I don't think I've ever been more nervous in a performance ever before, even afterwards ever, but that was just crazy. And then in the grand final, I was sort of more relaxed. I was like, okay, I'm going to enjoy this. This is such a great opportunity. I didn't get to enjoy it so much in the first one, but I went really well, so I'm just going to enjoy it. And honestly, I think the audience was so enthusiastic and I could hear them roaring and cheering on, cheering me on as I got on stage. So I think I just enjoyed and just soaked up all the fun in that second, the final performance. You've briefly mentioned it already about being in the green room when 
these votes are coming through. I can even put it into words what it's actually like sitting there, seeing these votes come in, seeing the points add up for Australia and thinking, we've actually, we've got a bit of a chance here. Are you more nervous there than you are when you were performing on stage? Yeah, that was so, uh, so intense and so fun. Or not fun, but like, yeah, it was good for me because like we were getting lots of points and I honestly didn't know how it was going to go, but we kept having great points and the cameraman kept filming us because we were at the top and it was just, you know, parties and celebrations. And then um, Paul, our our Australian delegation was like, just don't, don't get too excited. Cause you, you know, it's, it, it, you can come off as, you know, you don't want to upset other people, but I was just like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know this was going to happen. This is so cool. Um, and we were just really enjoying it. And I, I, I didn't honestly didn't know if we were going to win or not. I knew we had a bit of a chance. Um, but the further we got into it, um, I remember uh, my label, people from my label and other people, they were like, I could see them tensing up and getting really, really, really pale because they, were, they didn't know what to do if we had won. And they were thinking, what do I have to do? What's going to happen? And everyone's, yeah, they're just freaking out. And I'm like, ooh. And I look, look to the side, like, you know, just like, all the blood streamed out it was so funny <laughs> oh dear I, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be there but you did finish second overall you won your first uh you won the semi-final rather you even beat ukraine in that semi-final um you're still australia's most successful entry to date that's <laughs> that sounds great doesn't it what what an accolade <laughs> you know, i'm yeah i i i'm still so excited when I think about it all I was like you know it's such a great experience and everything aligned I guess so I don't you know it's, it's very hard to top something like that a moment like that where you get to represent your country and then come out really strong <laughs> that was yeah I'm very thankful for it all and do you remember the the time after the final? So the, the final <coughs> ends, you get the results in. And I believe during the final, you said you would celebrate with a, a lovely glass of lemonade. Did you ever get that glass of lemonade? Yeah, I did. I did. We went to a bar afterwards, all celebrating, and they got me a lemonade. And I thanked everybody. Um, and then I, I'm just like, I'm, I'm just not a party person. And I was so tired already. Uh, so I, I didn't stay up very late. I went to bed, but everybody else partied all night. And then I woke up, uh, sort of late morning and we all went out for a brunch, which was really nice. We all went to this cafe. I think it was like an Australian cafe in Sweden or something. And then they, um, yeah, at the breakfast, they, um, I think the table next door saw me and they shouted me another lemonade. <laughs> and yeah, that was really nice just seeing everybody and, you know, just processing everything. And then I saw my picture in the front page of the newspaper in Sweden and it was like stuck to the news agency walls. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is really crazy. <laughs> That is crazy. Like you, I can't imagine you ever thought you would be in that position while you're growing up and, and one day see I know. your face on a Swedish newspaper. Korean, Korean Australian performing at Eurovision and having my face uh, on a newspaper in Sweden. Like how random <laughs> is life? <laughs> it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre, isn't it? Do you remember getting back home? to Australia in 2016 did you get this homecoming or was it just sort of like oh, I can relax now what did you get up to when you got back home yes there was a homecoming celebration they organized it at one of the ovals at my old high school and we had all this media and the public came the students came and then yeah there was this like battle between the channels and I was in a buggy being chased by all these different 
uh, TV stations. So it was like the one time I felt like a Hollywood superstar, like oh, one at a time, just <laughs> all at once. Um, yeah, but we had a big celebration. I got to sing a few songs, thank people and yeah, gave a little mini concert to yeah, my locals and high school kids, which was really special and yeah, it was fun. It was like, yeah, she's home now. So as a performer, as an artist, as a songwriter, do you feel a lot more happy, a lot more comfortable where you are now, what, four, nearly five years on after Eurovision? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, it, it's still continuing. I have to say, like, I'm always thinking about, you know, who am I and like, you know, is this the right way I'm going in? But I feel like I've, come so far and so much closer to where I want to be and who I want to be and really, you know, being in charge of um, what I want to do. I feel like personally it, it made me rethink, like it, something changed and shifted in my brain and I, I felt this realisation about, you know, what I need to do. And I became more sure about who I am as an artist and, you know, taking more control over my career and the people that I work with. So I've actually made a lot of changes. I, you know, changed my label, changed my manager because of, you know, I think that's, that's where it really all started and, and taking more control of the music I write what I release and yeah, it's, yeah, it was definitely, yeah, yeah, it was a defining chapter in my life. If you asked Eurovision fans or your fans, but Eurovision fans especially to name some of your songs, I think they'd say Sound of Science is the first one, but then probably Walk With Me would be another one because you got to do uh, wet with Mons. Oh, walk with me, I'm a million miles away from That was so much fun. And we yeah actually got to perform the song at Australia Decides. Was it only this year? 2020, yeah. No way. That was this year. It feels, I mean, oh, last year. Because this is <laughs> in January now. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that feels like years ago. But yeah, it was really cool. He was in Australia. We got to sing that song together. I recorded it um recorded my part and um you know when when I heard the song and he asked me if I would do it you know do the duet with him you know I was really excited as you can imagine like he you know he won the year before me and that's why my year was in Sweden because of him and uh, he was the the host as well of that show so I had enormous amount of respect for him and you know I think he's had a wonderful career and he's so talented so to be collaborating with him musically yeah that was just so much fun and it was a dream and you made a bit of a big announcement on that same night didn't you 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 teased <laughs> uh -huh. and you said I'm going to be back in 2021, but 2021 is not going to happen. So does that mean, does that mean 2022? Are you going to be throwing your hat into the ring for 2022? Um, you know, to be honest, I honestly don't know. Um, like with everything that's happening, you just don't know what's going to happen anytime. I, yeah, a lot could change in that time. And, you know, I had a really good plan. I wasn't just like, oh, I might try Eurovision next year again. It wasn't like that. I was really thinking through like, what, I'm, what am I going to do leading up to that and the type of music I'm going to work on and, you know, um, the tours I'll do. Like I wanted to do a tour in Europe off the back of it. Like I, I, was, I had all these dreams and plans and then boom, it's gone now. So I might, I might not. I, I, I just want to see you know, get a bit closer to it and then see how it feels. And, you know, if I still feel like it, then I mean, it was such an amazing 
opportunity. So, and I've done it once. I'd love to be able to do it again, but just not sure when. I think we're all desperate to see you back. I think a lot of people share those thoughts. Um, so were any of those songs that you released in 2020, were any of those sort of the plan for Australia Decides 2021? Because you released Paper Dragon at the end of 2020. Was that, <laughs> was that sort of the plan for Eurovision or was that just another song you just loved and wanted to That was, so yeah, that was the song that right after I announced, you know, coming back to Eurovision, that's the song that I was really considering as my Eurovision song, um, I just think the song's got so much, you know, quirkiness and imagery and, you know, there's potential for vocal, um, what do you call, you know, drama and intensity, everything, all the fun stuff that you are allowed to do at Eurovision and encouraged to do. And I thought it would have been such a fun song and something so different from Sound of Silence. So yeah, that was definitely uh, the one, but yeah, I didn't want to wait and not know what's going to happen. Um, You know, if I get to do it again, then I'll find an even better song, but I just wanted to release it because 2020 everyone needed something fun and a distraction and that song was like that for me it's like positive and also like it's got that angst like don't mess with me vibe and I just wanted it to fly out into the world fly away there's one question I must ask you we ask everybody who comes on on the podcast this very same question because when you're in the Eurovision community when you're in the Eurovision world everyone probably asks the same question which is what's your favorite Eurovision song of all time? But we ask a little bit of a different question, which is what is your second favorite Eurovision song second of all time? Second favorite? Goodness. Hmm. My second favorite <laughs> would be, um, I can never say it, but I can sing it. Do, 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 do. Do you know which one that is? <laughs> it's Portugal 2017, isn't it? That's right. Uh, um, how do you say it? I just uh, don't want to say it wrong. I think I think neither of us will embarrass ourselves by saying it, but we all know which one you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think there's just something about that song that's so beautiful. Like the first time I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm crying. This is the Euro trip. What an interview. James there in conversation with Dami Im and Dami ending with a lovely little rendition of uh, Portugal's Eurovision winner from a few years ago. But it Sorry, was... what was uh, what was Portugal's uh, Eurovision winner a few years ago? Uh, Salvador. The, sorry, I meant the song title, sorry. Oh, the song title, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. now hold on, listeners. Uh, if you think you're hearing a keyboard, you're not, I promise. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> it's a problem with the audio at your end. Uh, there. Uh, the winner, of course, uh, is pronounced as Amar Pelos Dua, which is exactly how Salvador himself would have said it. Should we, should we move on from this embarrassing moment for you? If you want to, uh, the Wikipedia page for the song tells me that the English pronunciation, or translation rather, is to love for the both of us, which is a lovely message. Well, there you go. What what a perfect time to end this episode so that I don't have to go through the embarrassment of the one second song. Nice try, but I think the listeners are expecting a little something, aren't they? They're expecting our usual dose of embarrassment, which comes at the end of every episode when it turns out that the Eurovision podcast hosts of the podcast that you've been <laughs> listening to for the last hour or so can't tell the difference between one Eurovision song and the other. Uh, If you are a new listener, the one second song is pretty much exactly what it says on the tin. It is us playing the first second of a Eurovision song to one another each week. We take it in turns and one of us has to guess the artist, the song, the country and the year. And last week, James, you thought you'd rip up the rule book and you gave me a song from 2020. Yeah, well... The rules, the, the the expansive rule book, should I say, say that it has to be a Eurovision song, which I would, and I'm sure many listeners at home would agree, it was a Eurovision song. So, you know, I think it's just, you're a bit bitter, aren't you? A little bit bitter. Uh, it will not surprise you to hear, uh, if you didn't hear the episode last week, that I got nil point. 
as Gemini, of course, once did. I think that might be Gemini's first mention on the podcast. God rest their soul. They're not dead, are they? I don't think so, but their musical <laughs> career very much is and has been for a long time. Uh, let's start then. Come on. Here is this week's One Second Song. Now, listeners, already before James guesses, I can tell you he's pulling a face. You've just, you've taken this to a next level, haven't you? You're not happy about what happened last week, so you've gone difficult. What on earth is that? I thought I'd make things a little bit more interesting. I know that the the listeners out there, especially Richard Taylor from Eurovision Island, one of our most loyal listeners, has been calling for uh, us to go up a level and to make this feature a little bit more difficult every week. And, and that's all I'm doing. I'm just meeting the demands of the listeners. Can I have one more listen? Go on then. For you and the listeners at home, here it is for the second time. Kel surprise, Rob. I haven't the foggiest. Which is always a treat because it normally means that you end up making up the name of an artist who could well have at some point taken part in Eurovision, which, uh, yeah, always ends up being a bit of a delight. So uh, strap yourselves in, listeners. Who knows what you might get in the next in the next <laughs> minute or so? Right. Let's let's just go. Let's go full throttle here. I'm going to say it was Turkey 2005. Uh, the artist was Magical memory and the song title was succulent shortbread (laughs) which is a delicacy in turkey now is it certainly is tell me i'm right i'd love to i would love to uh you may be surprised to hear that there are no points for you this week i will tell you however that there were clues as to uh this week's one second song or at least the country of uh, this week's one second song in the episode earlier on because earlier on we were talking to Giannis and I used him as a bit of inspiration. It is a Greek entry on the one second song this week. It is also, and I expect better from you, it is from your favourite Eurovision year. It is Greece 2011 which of course was Lucas Jorikas featuring Stereo Mike with Watch My Dance. So James, you've heard the song there. Do you think you should have got it? You said 2011 was my favourite year. It's not my favourite year. Don't go labelling that on me. Uh, but no, I, I, I'm not surprised I didn't uh, didn't get it right. It's not very memorable, is it? You say that. It finished in seventh place in 2011 in it Dusseldorf. Did. It That's did. Right. 120 points that year. Uh, and Stereo Mike as well, by the way, who uh, you also heard feature, I think. I think we had a little bit of Stereo Mike feature uh, on that song. He played, a, he played a role on the on the full entry, but of course we can't play the full thing on the podcast. Uh, Stereo Mike was a lecturer for a, a small while uh, in music at the University of Westminster. Not a lot of lecturers around the, the European continent that can say they've, uh, they've represented their country at Eurovision. Anyway, we have reached the end of this week's podcast I am afraid to say but don't you worry we will of course be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode Uh, in the meantime of course you can uh, leave us a review rate us five star and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts and of course keep in touch with us let us know what you think about the podcast on Twitter and Instagram Uh, we are at Eurotrip Podcast there's always plenty of stuff going on there And as we have already said, plenty for you to look forward to next week. We will be back with another big guest from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest and from another national finalist, so an artist attempting to represent their country at Eurovision in 2021, as well, of course, as all the very, very latest news from the world of Eurovision, because there is so, so much going on. And don't forget, if you want to check all that out, head to Eurovoir.com. And for any of the weekend's Eurovision selections, if you want to watch them, don't forget you can on Eurovoir.tv. That's absolutely right. But that is just about it from both of us. So from me, until next week, it's goodbye. From me and from my signed, but not recently, as I keep saying, photo of Sir Terry Wogan, a bye bye.
And then also another one from at Walls X E C S E. And another one from at Walls S Oh, Jesus. <laughs> this is a difficult. Uh, Walls S. Walls X E S E. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.